Sufferings. How's it going? I'm Jared and Steve. I am Steve. As always, my main dude, Jared. And, uh, yeah, we're slowly getting back into things. We are, and I think we're going to do something different this time because we got a stellar one sentence review from an anonymous person. One sentence repeated twice. It was well, from back in January. The though. subject was the same thing as the body of the letter that didn't <laughs> exist. It was one sentence. So it was back in January. Yeah, I just stumbled upon, stumbled across it last night and found it pretty funny. It is kind of funny, and uh, that person can talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. Apparently, <laughs> we need to talk about the movie, please. <laughs> we need to talk about the movie, please. Yeah. To so they don't like the fact that we bullshit about music and other shit and ongoings before we get to the movie we claim we're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, anybody that like religiously listens to us or has heard us before knows that we love horror, but we like other shit too. And we just like the bullshit. And we do. Our favorite podcasts before we started our podcast were podcasts where it's just people bullshitting about horror movies and music and just drinking beers and that's basically we we wanted to do our thing and do that as well and that's what we're doing and uh we can we've been doing for three years mm-hmm. i don't know when our first episode was i could look it up but i'm not going to but happy three years to you whenever that was and fucking here we go we got another episode this is great so we're gonna uh, switch it up we're gonna probably start with the movie within the first 10 minutes yeah maybe. yeah we're gonna we're gonna jump right into it uh before we do we're rocking some Black Label beers tonight, and that's fucking stellar, because it's been a while since I've had some Black Label. So, Carling's Black Label hails to fucking Canada for this delicious lager. I don't even think it's made in Canada anymore. Yeah, maybe not. No, it's not distributed. But. When I showed up to my parents' house with a case of Black Label, my dad like almost fell over. He's like, you seriously drink, you drink Black Label? And yeah. I'm like, yeah. He's, and he like, remembered the fucking like, Carling's jingle? Yeah. Yeah, there was a, it was a whole thing. It was in black and white, like, way back in the day. And He's like, they had a fucking Mountie. And he's like, he sang the fucking jingle. Yeah. He said somewhere in the Frankenmuth they used to brew it. And okay. on the side of one of the buildings there was the Carlings logo. Really? That's fucking cool. And the logo's never changed. No. The can has never changed. And that just speaks volumes. Since we're talking beer. So I follow, for some reason, the Hams page. Sweet, and I guess somewhere in I think Washington, in a library, like stuck behind like in a corridor somewhere behind books, I think they found three unopened hams and a package of Godzilla chewing gum from the eighties. Really, like somebody had like a stash there, and they are actually offering like if somebody can prove that that was your beer, that was your three cans and bubble gum that you fucking stashed there in the fucking eighties, if you can prove it that it's yours. We got something for you. That's sweet as fuck. I can dig that, man. A little stash at the library. Cans of hams from the 80s look identical. Ham said they have not updated their can in 40 years. No, and uh, the special light looks the same, too. Yeah? Yeah, I watched Chopping Mall today. Are they drinking special light? Chopping yeah, Mall? hams, special light. Yeah. It's a silver can. Kind of still looks the same. See, I don't know what it is. Like, I can, I can tolerate... Light beers, like, I could tolerate Bud Light. I could tolerate Miller Light. Shit like that. Mm. PBR Light? 
Can't do it. Like what? I'm imagining Ham's Light to be the same. Me too. I I've never had Ham's Light. I don't think, but the Miller Light I can do, and Coors Light I can do too. Yeah, see that Labatt Light. Maybe because Labatt Light was like a big thing, like my family, like all my aunts and shit. Blue Light. They would bring over fucking Blue Light cases all the time. Yeah, that's just not bad. I can dig that. Yeah, but like I did have Paps Light, and that shit was not good. It just was weird. So yeah. Um, but yeah. So yeah, we're doing the Black Label thing tonight. I'm fucking pumped dude this is delicious i and, love, um, love black label me too so we're gonna jump into this movie and then we're gonna fucking hit you with some uh, other shit afterwards um i'm gonna start off just by saying that the movie that we're talking about is called savage weekend and i i always since the first time i seen this movie peg it as a hidden gem because it's really never talked about and for good reason. There's not a lot going on like most of the time. It picks up super late. Kind of a dry plot, but it's kind of important. And we'll get into that. Um, what what do you remember the first time you've seen this movie? Um I watched it. It was late on, later on. Me too. I think it was fucking I just was stumbled across the one night on YouTube, honestly. I think it was when I worked at Guardian pulling this fucking twelve hour like six a six PM to six AM shifts. Yeah. I just watched it there, and I remember not digging it the first time around. And then I watched it again later, like actually on the couch, drinking some beers, like actually watching the movie. Yeah. And I had a much greater appreciation for it. Yeah. See, for me, it was when Retro Slashers was happening on YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was about six years ago. I think ago. that's actually where, <laughs> I think that's probably where I watched it was on that channel. Because it yeah. was on YouTube. Yeah, that's that was it. But I watched half of it and then didn't finish. You didn't even it. get to the fucking no. So <laughs> I'm like, okay. But then like, I think it started getting to where some cool shit was happening, and I'm like, I'm gonna fucking finish it. Maybe it's like, whatever, you know. I think what it was was uh, I've seen half of it, but when I googled it, it and tried to f- find out what the fuck it was. Their pictures of the mask were popping up on Im- on Google Images, and I'm like, wait, this is in that movie? Because this mask is fucking killer. And I'm like, maybe I didn't get there yet. So it was a two-part thing for me the first time I seen it. It didn't grab me at first, but then I watched the second half and was like, okay, there's some redeemable value. And then I dug in more and found out that it, you know, the year it came out and all this other cool shit about it. And to this day, I still honestly will say that the mask that the, that is used in this movie is probably one of my favorite masks in any slasher movie of it's any pretty, decade. It's pretty fucking great, honestly. It's fucking awesome in the stalk slash sequences towards the end. The mask just adds a visual that that you can only get from like a Friday the 13th because with good production and shit, it just adds to the visual of like a masked killer, a yeah. faceless killer like... I love this mask. It's fucking great, dude. I, and I kind of want to get a hold of James and see if maybe he can fucking spin one out for me. Oh, I know he can. You know uh, he, he did can. a cropsy from the burning one for me, and he just nailed it. I I kind of want this one. So for people that like don't know this movie, the story's the premise of the story is pretty much just girl goes up like upstate New York, basically yep. country. Uh, they're gonna fucking like fix up some boat mm-hmm. and. She has a fucking shitty ex-husband or whatever. And then she, it's basically your, your typical 70s fucking city folk going to the country. 
and then shit just kind of happens. But the first like two thirds of this movie is basically like a sexploitation movie. Yes. Like the chicks are basically there just to be exploited. It's like every like every fucking scene. Yeah. For like a good chunk of that, it's like just the chicks are just like being like sexualized and used like and no rhyme or reason with it. It's just they do a scene just to do that. They're very objectify oh, how, yeah. how would I say that yeah it's like they're almost just objects there yeah. and it's like but there's a story with Marie her ex-husband that she got divorced to was involved in a political scandal mm-hmm. which caused someone that he knew to commit suicide and then they got a divorce and they had a kid together and yeah. she's just fucking over it and wants to go up north to a retreat and to get see, the fuck away with her sister and some friends or and you whatever. see the tension between those two in the beginning yeah when uh, he like goes to pick up his son, and one of her friends were like, "Oh, I got your son something." He's like, "Don't fucking touch my son." Yeah, he's kind of a kind of a dick. It's like comes out of left field with with hostility and anger. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, a little bit Greg. Yeah, Greg, fucking dick. Okay, but one thing that's okay. So this movie came out seventy six when it was made. Didn't really get picked up for anything until eighty, right? And I th- a lot of it had to do with. The way the the tropes of this movie, the way it was shot, how it was shot, by 76, that was not done anymore. So fucking studios aren't gonna want to, weren't wanting to pick this up. Right. They just didn't want to have anything to do with it because it was – they just weren't going that – film wasn't going that route anymore. Yes. They were using almost like a dead format. Yeah. And it was dying on the vine. Yeah. And they made it. Nobody wanted to pick it up, so it sat on fucking shelves. What saved it – was 80s came around. Canon realized that it had slasher elements and now slasher booms going on. So Canon picked it up to do fucking theatrical releases and they kind of spun it as a slasher film, kind of, in a way, kind of tricking the audience. Right. Because yep. you're having to sit through two-thirds of a fucking uh, mid-70s sexploitation type Erotic fucking, soap opera. Yeah, erotic yeah. soap opera to get to like some kills. But once you got to that, I feel like there's... Especially in early 80s time, it holds up. It does. That end of the movie when the when the slasher elements come in and the killer is doing his thing, you're almost smashing in like the th- first three or four Friday the 13th. Like, yeah, it, it's like pinnacle shit, but it only lasts for like maybe 25 minutes. Yeah, it's like, look, this movie was fucking, when we say low budget, for a movie, this movie is fucking low budget. It is for, you know, for you, that time. It was like they ended up getting fifty-eight thousand, I think. Yeah, that was the budget for it. Fifty-eight but grand. It wasn't the initial. They had they. He ended up getting an additional, which got it to fifty-eight. Oh shit! Well, yeah. Well, dude, you can even tell. Like, I was. I just wanted to chime in on the. It was filmed in seventy-six. Yeah. The some of the shots, the fucking um, when Jay is hung in the barn. Mm-hmm. The quality of the fucking tape it was just terrible. The the scratch lines and cigarette burns, it's just like that part of the film must they have got shot fucking... it on grainy. It was like grainy fucking film, like color stock. You yeah, can even kind of tell it wasn't a high quality fucking film stock they used. Yeah, and uh, the biggest issue that it, it wasn't released at first was because of the aspect ratio. Okay, so yeah, the aspect, that. yeah, the aspect ratio wasn't up to par with any of the companies that they were trying to peg to release this movie because there was boom mics in some of the shots. Mm-hmm. 
So what they did was they took the film and put pieces of tape along the top and bottom to present it as a wide screen aspect ratio so that the boom mics didn't weren't seen and then by that time a lot of the people they were trying to get to release it lost interest and then Halloween happened yeah okay but then when 80 came around like you said Canon got on to something they're like wait a minute we have something here and then the success of Halloween and then you have like you know prom night was was happening and then Friday the 13th was coming up and like they're mm-hmm. like maybe we can trick people into thinking this is going to be one of those movies and they presented it as a camp slasher that's the thing like even though they they kind of sold it for something it's not it's not a bad movie i don't think it you is could go bad. into it i could see going into it thinking it's that and being pissed and probably not liking it but just watching it on its own merits it's a fucking good movie it is like, even that first two-thirds is good the fucking character um nikki Nikki's great. First off, mid-70s, you didn't have a gay character portrayed this way. Not that fucking he prominent. Was, he was, like, flamboyant. Yes. But also tough as fucking nails, man. Oh, yeah. Like, he didn't give a shit. No. And you didn't see that. And I read a review from somebody that said, like, a review from back then, like, when it first got out, that said, like, Nikki's character... Destroyed. Sent back, like, gay rights activists, like, by 10 Decades, years. Decades, yeah. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like... He's he's tough as nails. He can take care of his fucking self, and he's he's himself. Yeah, like he fucking mops up a whole bar of fucking rednecks, and takes care of the bat that was nailed to the wall. When the <laughs> yeah. other dude, the the muscular fucking uh, alpha males were like, "Oh yeah, I'll go get the gloves." And he's, he's and then he hands them to Nikki, and Nikki's like, "I'll take care of it." And then he's kind of making fun of those dudes when he picks up the pincushion, yeah. like, "Yeah, you know, yeah, it's so fucking cool." He's got fucking he's, he, his character's fucking funny. Yeah, and my own like that is such a wasted character though, because yeah. it you get all of that and then that's it, and he's like one of the first to get offed. Yeah, and then like that's like dude, you could this character should have kind of been flushed out more. Yeah, should have been more of the fucking movie. Yeah, there was a, a lot of shit that was there, like. A lot of potential there that could have that kind of might have got wasted as far as even just like other side things that were going on, like with the fucking I don't know. It's just like it, it you know, whatever. It's at the end, the the final product is not a bad. I, 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 I kind of like this movie, it's yeah. it's a hidden gem. It's, I like it. You got to go into it, you got to go into understanding what it is. Yeah, if you go into it thinking it's going to be a Friday the 13th, yeah. You're not. You're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, because it's a slow burn for a while. But if you've seen enough fucking badly acted, badly dubbed, badly shot horror films, slasher films, whatever, then you know that you got to sift through a couple of bad ones to get to a diamond in the rough. And I'm not saying that this is a diamond in the rough, but it's worth a watch. If you it's definitely worth. A if watch. you're a huge fan of like slasher movies or whatever, then you you got to see it once. So they got that. So there's the character Otis who's like helping him with the boat. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna start off by saying his whole getup, he just reminds me, and I think it's because he always has that thing around his neck. He reminds me of the fucking hitchhiker from Texas Chainsaw. He's got that weird squirrely aspect right off bat. Like, He's I'm just like, very Dude. squirrely. But another thing, because you've told me about this movie and I've never checked it out, and I found this interesting, he is in Fight for Your Life. He is. 
And I was like, fuck. He's one of the dudes that breaks into the house. He's one of the escape prisoners. Is he? Yep. And I think he's the one that says most of the really bad shit in that movie. So, yeah, he is. And I and while we're on the subject of people in this movie, <coughs> Marie's sister is the main star in He Knows You're Alone, mm-hmm. which was Tom Hanks's first uh, film that he appeared in. Which was a complete 180 from the role she played in that movie as opposed to what she played in this movie. Yes. She's a very free spirit in this one, <laughs> you could say. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the tango sequence that her and Nikki did. Oh, yeah. Totally fucking cool. Which leads up to when the movie picks up. Yeah, 100%. So that, that, that makes right it there, easy. That's where it happens. That makes it easy. If you don't want to sit through a fucking 50-minute um, erotic soap opera, soap opera, just wait until you see her put the tango record on and do the strip tease, and then Nikki comes in and they start putting makeup on and they like duel it out in a tango. That's when the killer makes his appearance and shit gets real, and then the whole climax of the, of the end of the movie. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, if we're still talking about characters and what they've fucking done, Mac, yep. the fucking farmer hand that's helping him with the fucking handlebar stash that won't stop, he it's, was fucking uh, Dr. Hill and Reanimator. Beyond Reanimator also. And Beyond Reanimator, yeah. Yep. Uh, he was in something else, too. Um, not very well known, but I can't remember what it is. But he, he was in, but that's his main thing was the Reanimator movies. Um, severed head giving head. Yeah. Fucking Mac, dude. If I had a woman like you... I wouldn't let her alone. (laughs) What did she say? She's like, jealousy is stupid. Jealousy is stupid. Yeah. Not much to do out here in the wintertime at Split Wood. When you're alone that long, you get weird. Yeah. (laughs) He's like wrapping a worm around a hook. He's just like staring at her. They do okay. They do a good job of really making out to be like this dude's gonna be something's up with this guy. Yeah, he's not all there. He's... And they flip it because all like you're so used to these movies, it's the country folk who are fucked up and they kill the city folk. Yeah, but it's the country folk in this movie who are actually good people that come to fucking rescue. Yeah, he saves the day. Even like they show of. they show like Otis and his backstory where he fucking like beat the shit out of some dude and like dragged some chick away. Yeah. He is a fucking really coming to the rescue. Yeah. yeah. If you haven't watched this movie, spoiler. But at this point, if you listen to us, you should probably watch the movie. Before oh, you yeah. To us. I mean, this movie's fucking over 40 years old, man. I mean, it's, yeah, it's definitely check it out. But, uh, it's so, okay, so that, that, that's all the main characters of the movie. Jay is there to, hang out with Marie's sister. Mm-hmm. Who he was also in another horror movie. Was he? He's in uh, the last horror movie. Okay. With fucking Spinel. Really? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Well I've, hey I've only me. actually seen that movie I think once. I've never seen it. I know he was in I know it's he, good. It's, it's on good it's movie. on Tubi right now. Check that shit out. Spinel's like on the fucking picture, the poster. Like so yeah. Yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah. Um, just a, a couple tidbits. Uh, we know we've mentioned the film was filmed in 76. It wasn't released until 1980. 
on a budget of fifty eight thousand, which was adjusted after. Yeah, they got the was, initial budget. They, yeah, was, they got an additional to get it up to the fifty eight thousand. And the working title was the Upstate Murders. Yeah, it was marketed as the killer behind the mask, mm-hmm. which was a really cool uh, newspaper. Uh, that newspaper ad for is pretty sweet. It's they should have. St- I think they should have stuck with that. Maybe it was too on the nose. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's a better title than Savage Weekend. Yeah, but the artwork for the Savage Weekend. See, I really don't know how I feel about it. Honestly. I love it. I think it's great. It's fucking killer. It's. I want. I want it on a just, shirt. It just too much reminds me of the fucking like Uncle Sam. Pointing, we want you. Oh, I don't know. I, I like it. Like, I'm all about Grim Reapers and shit, but I don't know. I just there's something like it, I want to like it, but it just seems too much. Like, hey, this is a horror movie. We need a like a fucking skeleton with a sickle. And, yeah, I, I got. I mean, it just it takes me back to a simpler time where it's like <laughs> it's a skull a and a sickle, time. and it's fucking pointing at you, dude. Like, it, I like. I just yeah. I kind of want it on a t-shirt. I think it'd be fucking sweet, but uh, it. It was uh, Canon Group purchased it. Did the American release of it? Yeah. Did the American did the release of it? Fucking theatrical run. And uh, just real quick, Canon did a ton of films in the '80s, and most of them were action movies, like all the Chuck Norris movies. Oh, the yeah. fucking mostly like the badass martial art kind of American Ninja fucking. I'm gonna go out on the limb and say two of the best fucking uh, Stallone movies. Yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, they had their hand in a lot of cookie jars with those dudes. Like, I'm sure there was a Schwarzenegger movie or two that was canon. I think fucking... Make maybe Commando? I think them trying to get really into that market killed canon. I know there's a documentary out on canon, I need to watch it. And it probably goes into... It definitely goes into way more than what I'm saying. Because I'm just saying my thoughts. But I think yeah. that they... They fucking tried biting off more than they could chew for what they had. And I think fucking lost it. Well, I think just real quick, not to spin off the subject, but with Canon, it was they heavily relied on a handful of big time actors, and once they started to lose rele- relevance, they were fucked. They kind of you had the Charles. All the Death Wish movies were Canon. Uh, most of the Chuck Norris, like the patriotic ones that sold fucking. Invasion USA, all shit. that missing in action, the fucking all those movies. Was Invasion USA canon? Yeah, shit. It was canon. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. They did, but they also did like New Year's Evil. I mean, they had like, and they were running wild there for. They were killing it for like all of the eighties, and then in the early nineties, they just after Death Wish four, and then the fifth one came out, no one cared anymore. Chuck Norris was doing Walker Texas Ranger. They just were like, dude, and they invested so much into these people and chuck norris basically said you're killing off my image and then the fucking dude turns around and does walker texas ranger which is uh, like a fucking hallmark channel show that my grandmother used to watch and i'm like whatever happened to him Damn. busting like coke fucking he killed his gar- own cartels and shit yeah chuck well he norris did his own and then he was doing image. the fucking workout aerobic shit so canon kind of folded in the in the 90s they went bankrupt and shit but they put out a shit ton of good movies in the 80s dude oh they did and it started around this time so they put that out and then paragon distributed the vhs yeah. the home the home release and then i wanted to say 
obviously this is an early prototype for the slashers we've come to love all the franchises that we like in the 80s your halloween's friday the 13th your fucking nightmare on elm streets all the slashers this was considered to be one of the ones that kind of paved the way for it it just doesn't get as much recognition as the big franchises do yeah and i the last thing i wanted to say was um the first two cities that this film was sh- was shown in was detroit and windsor really when it first was going to be distributed into theaters detroit and windsor were the f- detroit was the first so if you were there on that night, you seen this movie in a movie theater for the first time in Detroit, and then I think the next night it was Windsor. And then it got more of a wide release, but they tested it here and in Windsor, so I just wanted to say that. So, super cool. That's fucking killer. Yeah. Let's probably have the fucking uh, Ford Wyoming. I wouldn't doubt it. Or the fucking Jolly Roger, maybe. I don't fucking know. Like, I'm only saying Ford Wyoming because it's been around for a long fucking time. Yeah. Still open. Yeah. There's, I mean, it's probably could have been another fucking theater that's closed. Knows. Yeah, but yeah, that's so that, so that's uh, some tidbits on that. But it's so one thing about this movie. Okay, so once, once the uh, the kills and shit start happening, you got that one where it's like that moment she sees that someone's in the fucking house. Mm-hmm. And he fucking grips her up and drags her. Well, actually, he just follows her into the basement because she, she, for whatever reason, takes herself to the basement. Yeah, she runs to the basement. But, she thought it was Nikki at first. Yeah, that's what she thought it was Nikki and then realized, fuck, somebody's in this house. Marie bought that mask as a joke in the beginning of the movie at mm-hmm. like a fucking convenience store. Yeah. So she thought Nikki, because her and Nikki were doing the tango thing, thought he was just being goofy and thought it was Nikki for like 30 seconds and realized this is a... Which, honestly, it's, that's a good scene. It is. The initial, the initial her seeing, and then the way they do the shot of when she realizes it's not him and she doesn't know who the fuck this person is. And I know. Like backs up. That, the way they did that shot is awesome because they even dial down the music. So it's just like her, like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's really well done. I it think. is. But so they end up in the basement <clears throat> and ties her up on a fucking table saw. Mm-hmm. And like the tension there with plugging it in and getting it, getting it to run, it's not running. But then the movie goes on. And she's still on the table. And you forget she's still on that table. Yes. But in the real quick in the beginning when they first get to the house the dude mentions there's a there's two light switches yeah and he, he's been meaning to have them fixed he's like yeah hey, I flipped the first one can you flip the one on top of it on they keep forgetting about that so now the table saw's plugged in the light switch or the the light bulb chain is pulled it you just need to flip the fucking power yeah. switch which is off and <clears throat> when fucking handlebar mustache shows up Mac and the only thing I think, if you would have changed nothing else, if this movie would have been made in 80, if you would have changed nothing else of the movie, the one thing that would have changed was when he flipped that fucking switch, they would have shown yeah, her get fucking buzzed up. Because you don't see it. They don't show shit. No. You just know that that just happened. Yeah. Because he's like... Super low budget film from 76. Mm-hmm. Like before like... The slasher boom and the gore boom. 
that would have been like if you take this movie from 76 just transport it to 80 and be made if they would have changed nothing else they would have changed that scene and if that would have been shown that this movie might have had a whole different turnout and it's so that weird. could have been a memorable moment in a slasher movie where it was like dude you never heard of Savage Weekend? The table saw kill. Oh, that movie. Yeah. You know, that could have changed you, the whole game, dude. I'm sure that's still kind of the case now. I'm just not pulling up a good example, but the fucking 80s slashers were like, you could have one amazing, just gory kill scene, mm-hmm. and it was enough to sell your fucking movie. Yep. And you'd still have people referencing your movie based off of that scene like 30 years later. Yep. Yeah, it, it, you know, you got the franchise movies, but then you got the one-offs where it's like nobody knows like what Maniac is, but if you mention the shotgun scene or something in at a convention, people, oh yeah, that's that movie, or like with Zombie, the shark, oh, yeah, and that's legendary. The right? shark scene, the fucking eyeball scene. Oh yeah, that's like those are hot spots in the movie where like. You can not see the whole movie or never sit down and watch it, but you hear people rumblings and shit and of those scenes because they're just fucking timeless, you know? Oh, yeah. I've talked to like casual horror fans who don't really know much about any movies, but you bring up specific scenes and they're like, okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I walked into They may a- not have seen it, but... They know that scene, and they know it's from that movie. Yeah, I uh, years ago, this was years ago. I wore my zombie shirt, Fulci zombie shirt, into a Cards and Comics to buy some baseball cards. And the young kid that rang me up was like, "Is that the movie where the zombie bites the shark?" I'm <laughs> like, "Yeah, you've seen it." He's like, "No, I just always hear people. I know I've seen that zombie face before." This was fucking a long time ago. I mean, this was like. A long time ago, so there was no Walking Dead. There was no. He just knew that at some point in this movie that he's never seen that a zombie bit a shark, and I think that this table saw thing when he flicked the light switch on. If you just seen a massacre, it'd be like, holy fuck, man, you know? Yeah. Like, but yeah, you're right. If they were to change one thing, that would probably be it. But it was made in '76, and like you know how I feel about remakes in general mm-hmm. I feel in the right hands if somebody were to remake this movie it would I, it would be fucking great it would I be would. awesome it would be a fucking awesome movie they could even still keep it fucking two thirds romantic exploitation soap opera yeah do more with Nikki though in modern time yeah you know maybe make, have him save the day instead of fucking Mac or like twist it you know how they do that with remakes like you Nikki's think- character, like I'm not even mad with like him dying, but it's like the fact of they they set this up for him to be like this super fucking badass character, like yeah, like one liners and fucking quips, and he's mm-hmm. fucking like tough as nails. Like grew up in South Bronx, like mops up fucking three or four fucking Good old hillbillies boys. at a fucking bar, yeah, and then just one of the first to get killed. The first to get- no, he's one of the first. He's like the second, second one. He's Jay's the, second the first one. one. Yeah, he gets hung in the fucking. In the barn, yeah. But, like, dude, like, they could have, like, at least... But, honestly, with this movie, once the killing started, there wasn't much going on after that. No. It was, it was just one after the kill, other. Kill, 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 yeah. kill. Yeah. So there really wasn't been much to do, but it could have been fucking... I haven't put up some fight. Yeah, Not basically get snuck up on and have a fucking needle shoved in your ear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could have had a fight sequence with where he almost kills the killer, but something weird happens where the killer just 
gets lucky and I because they built Nikki up to be this fucking dude that can't be fucked with. Not only can he cook a bird to feed a whole bunch of people and he's a killer cook, he can kick your fucking ass and he's funny as fuck. Like you, all this character development and he just gets snuck up on and killed. Like even throw the scene like where uh, what's his name hooks up with her sister yeah in like the Jay. field mm-hmm. which is like a totally random scene like it is she's like sunbathing like nude and he just basically wanders over yeah and gets on top of her and they they bang and then he just walks away and she goes back to sunbathing but this whole time nikki's fucking like at a barbed wire fence just like running his hands over this barbed wire as well as like cutting his hand yeah. he's like like jealous of their their relationship I'm, that's what I I'm think guessing. he had a thing for Jay. Yeah, like he has he's a thing for him. In the morning, there's like shit going on with them. And he doesn't fucking like it. Yeah, it's like dude, they could have, they could honestly expand on that. They could have made his character like just last longer. Yeah, there's like a skeleton of a story there that could be expanded. Maybe a remake, like you said, or something. Maybe just expand on the dry parts and push more of the story into a different direction to give it more fulfillment than just these empty dead ends that just kind of fucking die out until the killer shows up. There's like, like a bunch of scenes that are just like, why is this here? Yeah. Was this scene just here to see this chick's tits? Yeah, I mean... Which, well, I mean, isn't isn't un, isn't unheard of in 80s slashers. Right. Isn't really unheard of in, like, sexploitation films, obviously. Yeah. But this movie just seems to have a shit ton of, like, why is this scene here? Yeah. Yeah, well... And then they got the fucking... Country songs going. The banjo soundtrack Dude, that drives like, me fucking nuts. The first two thirds of this movie soundtrack, I'm like, come on. The second, the, the last third of this soundtrack, I'm like, all right. The tango. Once the tango starts, it changes. Tango up. song isn't bad. The fucking like that weird fucking soundtrack with all like the like they play when like the kills happen, like the doo. Like I yeah, yeah, fucking, yeah. This yeah. You know what I'm saying. I hear you. Yeah. Like that shit's then cool. Then there's the last song, but it's which the goddamn is... country shit, like the twangy fucking banjo shit, which it starts off the movie with that. I know. That was the one that took me out of it when I first watched it. Yeah. Because you know me, like I, there's a handful of like backwoods slashers I like, like, but it's not my favorite type of slasher. Yeah, I know. And it fucking bothers me that fucking hillbilly country fucking shit. You yeah. Start twangy fucking banjos, and I'm like, well, I'm already not involved in this movie. Yeah. It's almost like fucking deliverance and yeah, you just yeah no I hear you um, and then let's not forget that Otis that whole random scene where his girlfriend was cheating on him and he branded her with a fucking H on her yeah, chest yeah that's one where he beats the head dude over the head with a stick yeah and then she's like Otis the one we have working for us right now and he's like yeah yeah that's Otis that's Otis he, he spelled it with an H because he doesn't know how to spell whore yeah he ain't too much bright <laughs> he forgot the damn word started with a W and the guy starts laughing at shit. <laughs> what the fuck is going on, man? So uh, <laughs> there's that, but uh, yeah, it's you know I'm gonna I'm gonna say that this movie will not disappoint anyone, but I will say that it's not gonna be the best movie you've ever seen. Don't okay, don't go in thinking it's going to be your '80s fucking. Friday the 13th slasher. Not at all. And you will be fine. But Go the, into it expecting a 70s horror movie. And you should be good. Yeah. And then once you're, once you finish the movie, if you sit through the whole thing, 
then you'll have an understanding of why there is a Friday the 13th. Why there is a Halloween. Like, not because of this movie. It would be if that was the case and everyone knew that this movie would be huge. It's yeah. not, but this is a like a blueprint, like a prototype. The that, last thirds of this movie, the last third of this movie is shit that at in 76 was not done. No. You didn't have a mass killer. No. Going around killing people. Yeah, and a weekend wasn't. retreat cabin kind of setting yeah, kind of thing. It just wasn't a thing then. No. And then, you know, the movies that followed you go back and you watch it and you're like, man, they were kind of doing this before it became a thing. Which is cool, you know? It's like the Black Sabbath, the fucking, you know, Yeah, you'll always get, those, you always get those movies that are doing the popular thing before it's popular and get no recognition. I know. Bay of and, Blood. But then somebody afterwards fuck. do, well, Bay of Blood. You can't say Bay of Blood. Bay of Blood did some fucking, he definitely got recognition. Baba got recognition. Not right away. It, it, it That movie was out for fucking 20 years before people But it wasn't it. like that movie... I guarantee Baba released that shit and people were like, this is a fucking good movie. Here. Oh, here. In oh, yeah. Italy, America. it was hailed as a fucking... Yeah, in I mean, America, dude, no. Wait, let, but, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you get people who, like, for this example, they did shit... If, if, it would, if this movie would have been all, like, the last third, if the last third of this movie was basically the whole movie, mm-hmm. shit like that, that fit that MO, it probably still wouldn't have carried off because it was just made in like almost wrong place wrong time yeah it was just a, a little time. too early and with like a shoestring budget yeah and then a handful of years later three years later two years later fucking somebody makes something that's almost it's taking the late part, later part of your moving and extending on it oh and yeah building a story based around that almost mm-hmm. and now it's hail as like a fucking thing yeah, it's like an shit, shit like that happens though, man. Like, you don't you didn't have the budget to pull it off. You maybe missed you missed the mark maybe in one part of it. Maybe doing wrong first, place, wrong time, man, wrong, wrong place, wrong year. time. Doing fucking half of it as a fucking romantic exploitation soap opera. Yeah, fucking. But shit like that fucking happens. This is one of those movies where it fucking happened. But the cool thing about a movie like this, and there's a ton of them, is that now you can go. It's gotten a Blu-ray release. Yeah. It's had a DVD release. It's on like three streaming services. You can go back and see it for what it is and be like, well, hey man, that's... As long as you know that it predates Halloween and Friday the 13th. That's what gives it its relevance. Yeah. Because the last quarter of the movie is the best part of the movie, but we've seen that before a fucking million times. But all that shit came after. So if you can just appreciate the film for what it is when it came out and just understand that this movie's like the anvil of metal. It just, <laughs> you know? Like, what could have been if it just would have fucking... Things would have been different, you know? Maybe this would have been Halloween instead of Halloween being Halloween. This would have been the fucking starting point where people were like, if it would have got released in 76 and no one had ever seen anything like this and they're like, wait a minute. Then Halloween becomes on is on the back burner. Like, oh, we already seen that with Savage Weekend. I mean, this is just a rip off of Savage Weekend. Now everything's a rip off of Halloween that comes out after Halloween. It's like, oh, prom night rip off of Halloween. I think yeah. if it got released in '76, I don't think it still would have done great. But it still would have been there, and people would have been able to look at it as there was Black Christmas that did this. Fucking Savage Weekend tried doing their thing, and they did this, and then Halloween. 
did basically a mix of Savage Weekend, fucking Black Christmas mm-hmm. type thing. Something around those lines. Yeah. They would have had their place. Because it got shelved because nobody wanted to release it, they kind of don't have their place. Yeah. Yeah, and just other shit, too. The way Halloween was shot was so iconic. Yeah, That's the thing. You can take the movie, but it's also the people who were involved. Like, Halloween's Halloween because of the people involved. Yeah, the the atmosphere. You could take that same fucking script and give it to a different director, and Halloween would be garbage. Yeah. Have you ever watched Halloween with no music? I haven't watched it, but I remember I've watched um, interviews with John Carpenter, and he said he couldn't get it picked up without music. And then when he added music, he gave it to the same people who wanted nothing to do with it, and they were like, okay, yeah, we we fucked up. This This is frightening. Can we... It was not scary without the score. It's not. Shit happens. That scary shit happens, but the the buildup and the tension and the atmosphere is what makes it. And just Savage Weekend didn't have that. It kind of lacked in that area, but it's still cool, dude. So, I think. I mean, this isn't gonna be. This isn't true for all '70s movies or all movies older than the '80s. But especially with like horror and exploitation type stuff, people I think kind of. They didn't understand the importance or maybe like the nuance that a soundtrack and a score can have on a movie. Because mm-hmm. if they did, they wouldn't have a fucking banjo opening the goddamn movie. <laughs> like, it's a lot different than a synth, man. You're not setting like you're not setting up shit having a banjo. That's not setting a tone for anything. No. Even even like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the tension and build up with the soundtrack and score to that movie makes it 100 times better. It's a frightening film in itself, but like the weird sound effects of the pots and pans clanging when they're just random weird shit. And then like when the the whole ambient score when she walks into the room of the skeleton bones is fucking just fucking echoplex all weird it's cool the sound that i always i always uh connect with like almost almost a camera flash with an extended like echo at the end that one too like it fucking that's how i always looked at that sound was almost like a camera flash with some effect added to it yeah yeah, that definitely has a lasting effect. And the uh, the sledgehammer, where he hits Homeboy over the head with the sledgehammer, and then it just makes that horrible fucking, like, sledge-hitting skull sound with that weird overbearing white noise that kills, muffles it a little bit, which is disorienting when you're in a fucking movie theater in darkness and all your... You know, it's like... Dude, that, do you remember when we watched? Yeah. We saw that in Ann Arbor at the, the State cats Theater. cats were fucking shook, dude. What was funny was... <laughs> You could tell the people who'd never seen this movie. No, and, and they it was almost, oh, this is an almost, old movie. It, ain't it was almost the whole theater. <laughs> so as the movie's playing, like the beginning of the movie, up until they find the house and go and find help, people are cracking jokes. They're fucking laughing. They're just you hear conversation, and then the fucking door slides open. Dude gets smashed with a mini sledge. And he's twitching on the ground. Leatherface drags him in. Just looks and like slams the door, and the fucking theater went silent yeah. for the rest of the movie yeah until the um until franklin got chainsawed in the wheelchair there was an eruption when that happened like oh 
But it's like, like at they, that point they started taking the movie seriously. Oh, they did. And they started paying attention to the movie. Oh yeah. The same thing fucking happened when we were doing the Fright Night double feature. Oh, the night. And they did fucking uh, Oh House of the Devil. House of the Devil. Oh, fuck. And I was like, I honestly believe I was the only one in the theater that saw that movie because everybody was chit chatting it away, cracking jokes, and I'm like stoked because I've already watched it. And, it's already became at that point one of my favorite movies, and it's like a new movie. That's weird for me, and it's I'm like, great. I fucking love this movie. Like, talking it up to you, and I'm stoked watching it, and everybody's talking in the background, and then all of a sudden, are you the babysitter? Oh my god! Boom! And everybody just silence, dude. Okay, just just to elaborate on that, when when we seen House of the Devil going into that night, not knowing what the yeah, they switched movies. up the movies. They yes. were like, oh, no, we're... And it started. I'm like, wait a second. I was like, I've seen... I know this. And I'm sitting next to Jared, and we sat, I think, the closest to the screen that we ever did. Because after like that, four we... Four rows back. We yeah. were, like, right up there. So we're looking up at a huge screen, and I'm just taking this all in. And it is a slow burn. But you know me. I listen to all the dialogue. I follow everything that's going on. The score, I appreciate everything about a good film, and it was all there. But I'm just like, okay, this is going to be one of those monotone, thriller, kind of suspense, mystery things. And I didn't know what to expect. And you like leaned over like, dude, I can't believe they're playing House of the Devil. I'm like, you've seen this? And the whole time, we that's all you said. I thought this movie came out in the 80s. I'm like, how the fuck did this slip under my radar? The the clothes that we're wearing, the way it was shot, everything was like, I'm like, this movie came out in like 87. There's like, I had to have. And it wasn't until after that you told me that the movie was like a new movie. Yeah. But uh, to fast forward this, that fucking scene, the average person that watches horror films and the thing that makes them shy away, the jump when they jump and they legit get scared and their fucking soul just escapes their body, <laughs> that fucking happened to me. And very few movies in my life, even as a kid, did that to me. That fucking gunshot, fucking my soul left my body. I was so frightened. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? It was so loud. <laughs> this is where I wish Ty West God damn it would have just kept going with what he was doing with House of the Devil because he built up oh. all, an hour's worth of nothing's happening shit's just nothing's gonna go on everything's whatever and it's just a are you the babysitter? no but boom snub nose like 45 to this chick's face like at point blank like right just right in her fucking shit, dude. Like, and he oh grabs my. her cigarette and he's smoking it, looking around. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just trying to take in what the fuck I just seen, dude. Like, holy fucking shit, man. Like, so that, yeah. yeah, same effect. The whole theater after that went fucking quiet and they just yeah. watched the rest of the movie. Yeah. And just to just to let people know, like, the Fright Night double feature thing that Jared and I used to go to was a theater here in Michigan. Where they would do two movies for ten bucks. It was five bucks a movie, and it was a double feature, and it was ran by a, a group of people that had cool raffles and trivia and stuff. It was fun. It was Thursday nights. Get on the fucking text list, and that's how you found out what movies they were playing. Yeah, they would actually um, because not say if you if you went to the theater, they would always give you some like public, public domain, domain movie like The oh, Hurts, nineteen forty seven. They're playing these two movies, but once you learned about the text. Um, yeah, the, was, you, you could sign up for the fucking text messages. You'd get a text like, "Oh yeah, fucking join us tomorrow. We're gonna be playing like Evil Friday Dead and fucking Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, we're like, okay, cool, you know. So, 
uh, that was really cool. So we used to do that. They don't do that anymore. I wish they still did. But um, the Night of the Living Dead, 1990. That was a good one. Now, just to let people know that this double feature, they encourage talking during the movie, jokes during the movie, beach balls, laser light pens. Everyone's drinking. They served alcohol there. It was just a very loose, like, you can just yell shit at the fucking screen and, you know... It was cool. It was like a small little club of people, and they always played good movies. Like, legit, that pisses me off, but if I'm going in knowing that that's what it's supposed yeah. to be, cool with it. Totally oh, yeah. Cool. Well, they're all old movies. It's like, how many times have you seen fucking Gremlins, you know? It's like... But when they played fucking Night of the Living Dead, none of that happened. I didn't see one fucking red light laser pen on the screen. I didn't. No one threw a beach ball. Motherfucker sat there and watched Night of the Living Dead, and that might have been one of the best moments of my life because I'm like, not only am I seeing my favorite movie in a theater, but no one's making light of this. This is fucking great, man. Like, it was cool, dude. It was cool. I mean, and then seeing uh, Final Chapter was cool too. But people were cracking jokes, which oh, is. Yeah. A given. It's, it's a, a Friday the Thirteenth yeah. movie. People seen Chris that movie a hundred times. Shit. Yeah, I mean the, the whole dance thing he does in there. Everyone tore. It, it was funny. It was it was fun. But like the Night of the Living Dead, I actually got to sit and take in a movie without the bullshit. It was it was cool. So yeah, that was a fucking good time. Oh for sure. So yeah, okay. So like Savage Weekend, we wrap that up. I hope that's fucking up to uh, Anonymous's standards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now moving on. Um, before I don't, I'm just gonna say this. I don't really have much on music this this episode. I don't either. I don't. I have, I have a band. I have a. No, I have two bands. Never mind. I have one band and two documentaries. That's it. Um, I guess we can knock those out since those are just there's not much. Uh, as well, man. Well, yeah. What have you been spinning? No, I just the only thing I've been listening to is the new Primitive Man, dude. I mean, that came out last week, and it's. Uh, a fucking game changer. I haven't They're, actually listened to you. I've listened to the video you sent me. The one video you sent me. I mean, that was like weeks ago. It is. There's they. There's no mercy. I'm. I mean, every like the the lyrics. This is a fucking ugly record. I'm not. I'm not trying to overhype anything, dude. This this album I think may have changed my life, because this really touches a nerve that not many bands have done with me. It's fucking dealing with real shit, like depression, anxiety. It's all about this pandemic. The band members haven't been able to see each other in fucking months. They're losing their fucking minds. Anyway, if you want that in your life, listen to New Primitive Man. It's fucking the most grim, punishing, pulverizing record I think maybe I've ever heard in my life. So... I, in that in that genre, my God! In that genre of the bigger bands, there's them and Fisher that I would think that each album that comes out is going to be heavier, noisier, and just more grim content. I don't expect that from like like from the bigger bands. I don't expect it from like Bong Ripper for that to get like that. To yeah, but for those two bands, like if you say. This is more grim and heavier than the last. I'm, I'm like, okay, yes, I yeah. expect it. Yeah, I mean, you, you get it, but I'm just saying, like, just listen to the record. I'm not going to say anything else. I'm just going to. Man, shit's always been very it, nihilistic, grim, fucking just. That's always what they were. Oh my god, that's and always what that band 
basically encapsulated. Yeah, yeah. Well, they really nailed it on this one. Uh, it's it's a really dark fucking record, and there's no filler. There's no like, it's just like five tracks, and they. I mean, you get blast beats and everything on this. It's fucking just a pulverizing record. They nailed it. So, and that's that's been out for a week. So, uh, there's that. And then I just I watched the Doom Doc. Okay. Uh, it's a documentary on doom metal. Came out maybe two years ago. It's pretty cool. It takes place in Birmingham, England, I believe. And there's a bunch of bands, Slab Dragger, Conan, Primitive Man, that they kind of like chime in and give their two cents. And then I watched, and this is the most important, and this was a game changer for me, <laughs> the fucking Slave to the Grind documentary. Oh, yeah? Dude, I never watched it. I always knew it was a thing, and I f- put it on the other day like, I'm going to watch this. And I fucking was floored. It It's amazing. Like... I've always liked Grind. I just never knew that there was other bands other than the fucking big ones when I got into death metal. And that was like the Napalm Deaths and the Carcasses and shit. And then you, you got Agathocles in this motherfucker. You got PLF. Dude, you got Drop Dead just punking out Seth Putnam. You got a bunch of people saying he's cool. Then you got a bunch of people saying he fucking sucks. Good, he's dead. You know, it's like... And there's a valid argument on both sides, I think, you know? See, I didn't... I. Truth be told, I have yet to watch it. It's great. I, because my whole thing, when I first saw it coming out, and I know friends who are friends with, uh, what was his name, Doug Brown, I think, the dude who made it. But my whole thought was, everything I saw when initially coming out was he was only touching on and interviewing like these older, bigger bands of the genre. So I didn't see it coming into like, Shit like Agitate, shit like Deterioration and Archigothis and shit like that. So I'm like, well, I don't give... I'm instantly like, yeah, I could watch shit about, like, Napalm Death and, you know, whatever. But yeah. if you're not, like... I'd rather watch something that really touches on, like, these newer, really underground, just raw grind bands. And I, from what I heard, I think he does touch on some of those. Absolutely. Archigothis is up front and personal and saying their piece see that's how out of loop it was and how much i stopped paying attention to it from when i first initially heard of it which was i think when it was still getting made okay so that's on my fault that's that's 100 percent my bad on my end because i took what i first heard which probably at that point he was just getting the bigger ones he could get and that's what i heard of off bat and i'm like well this okay. is going to be just bigger fucking bands from like the 80s and some of the 90s i got like whatever I'd want to hear about newer shit and like more underground stuff, but it sounds like, and I really dipped out of it. But it sounds like it got into like I will one hundred percent say shit. that you you will really like it a lot. And I'm just gonna say that I went into it and watched it for the reasons that you just mentioned that you didn't. <laughs> Honestly, we Nate come from different that, worlds, man. I, I, but but <laughs> see, when I was see like me and Zach from Shit Life used to when we were kids, we would drink forties of fucking malt liquor and listen to From Enslavement to Obliteration. I didn't even know what grind was. I just liked it. I thought it was. I had the cassette tape. I still have it. I heard Carcass fucking reek of putrefaction. Like, dude, this shit rips. Like, then I met you, and then I fucking heard. A fucking whole new world of music and bands. And I was like, well, there's people that are keeping the sound going that are even more pissed off and more underground and more DIY, and this is fucking really cool. They just don't have t-shirts at Rock of Ages. 
<laughs> that's what that you know. I'm always gonna like Napalm Death, but there's records that they've made I don't like, and then there's Carcass kind of sucked after a certain time, and then there's, but then like okay, so in this doc, I just want to point this out that it does start out with Repulsion. It does start out with the early Napalm Death when they were punk before fucking scum. That it, makes sense though because I, I, that's kind of like the beginning. It's kind of true. I'm guessing this is what the route it takes. By the end, you get to the again, like those dudes are what are they in their fifties now? Geth, Gethicles? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say uh, he has to be in his fucking. All 50s. three of those dudes were just. Hanging. He has to be in his fucking fifties. Yeah. Super fucking cool. They 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 shout out to Haggis Archigathis. Archigathus has their piece on it. PLF has their piece on it. Uh, fucking, which is really cool. And then there's like other bit. Ethan from Primitive Man does the Vermin Womb. Okay. Uh, they talk to deterioration at all? No. I maybe. I don't. I don't think so. I feel like it's a missed mark. Deterioration is like. And power so violence was brought up, but it was a. Sh- it kind of got shit on. Dude, yeah, didn't know. Uh, who the fuck was Discordant Somebody, X. He shit all over fucking Power Bounce, which is weird because who the fuck did Discordant Access fucking split with? They split with... Was it Capitalist Casualties? I'm blanking. I'm kind of beers in. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, they did a split with a PV band, and then he's going to talk shit on PV. He did. Um, I saw people posted about that, like, how the fuck are you? <laughs> Yeah, he kind of said that he hated power violence because he was like, yeah, we want to be grind, but then like 12 seconds later, we're punching the floor and acting like douchebags. And I'm like, well, maybe some PV bands are like that, but not all of them. I'm sure that I'm sure that's not what we're that's not what I've I've heard bands that are like that. And then the definition of power violence pops up on the screen. And it says power violence is a subgenre of punk. Yeah. And that's all they covered on PV. That's what I'm getting at. That's it. And then I'm like, oh, they're going to start talking about some cool power violence bands because they, that, I, they do the insect warfare fucking gig, which is sick. They do fucking uh, fuck the faxes on there. I get why they didn't touch on power violence. It's not fucking grind. No. It's I mean, just, it it's, goes hand in hand with grind. It does. It's fucking, it's all that fucking, it's it's the melding pot. Yeah. I get It's a fucking grind doc, dude. Talk about grind. Yeah. I would definitely fucking check it out, though. I just remember, honestly, when, when Abe Lincoln was still going. Was Abe Lincoln still going? Yeah, because I think he was making it when Abe Lincoln was still going. Cody got into it with him about shit, because Cody's online presence used to be talking shit to almost fucking everybody. Oh, yeah. He fucking started getting into it with the dude, like, Dan about it. Or Doug. Was it Doug Brown? Dan Brown? I don't know. I think it's something. And um, just being a complete fucking ass. And then dude realized it was like Cody from Lieutenant Dan. And he was like, dude, well, I didn't realize it was you. Like, I, I like your fucking band. And, but he was pretty much still like, I like your fucking band, but you're being a fucking dick. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's fucking Cody, man. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, well, they do cover, they fully explain and cover mints, which fucking rules. Oh, yeah. And uh, everything, it's, I, it might be one of the better documentaries I've ever seen. I'll check it out. It's. It, I. I think it's fucking great, dude. I still need to check out that fucking black metal movie too. That one's really good. Like lat la, What the fuck's it called? Uh, something light. Lords of Chaos. 
Oh, that's that, the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about the absence oh, the f- or the light. I've started watching that. Where it's like Fenris from yeah. Dark Throne. and There's that movie that actually was made off of, based off of the book, Lords of Chaos. Oh, I didn't even it's know that. actual was movie. Really? This one's got, like, it covers the church burnings, the fucking uh, dude in jail. I started watching that one. Yeah, I watched that whole thing. I didn't watch the whole thing. I started watching it and that kind of stuff. I don't give, honestly, two fucking shits about black metal. I really don't either. Unless you want to, if you want to go into like the early black metal shit when it's like Sodom was black metal and Bathory, Bath like like that stuff, cool. You start getting into like actual black metal, like what people look at as black metal now. Like I don't give a fuck. I like the lo-fi early '90s stuff. It's like a lot of that shit now is like, oh, we're fucking dark and blah 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 blah, and we're fucking racist and nationalists, and but we're not really, but we are, but we're not. See, I don't like, I'm, go fuck yourself. I'm not Stop doing walking that. the fence, fucking just I know. come out one way or the other. But it, it it's out there. It is. And it's been well fucking documented in a lot of bands that that's the case. And I don't even know, I don't think I've ever listened to any band that was like, it's like, there's like five fucking black metal bands I like. And I don't think any of them put a good record out after 1995. I don't think there's any. And there was never anything, and it's just happened that way. It's not like I was like, (laughs) dude, this is my favorite black metal band. And then 10 years later, someone's like, you do realize that they're racist. I'm like, what? Really? Fuck that band. No, every band, like Mayhem. Or fucking Immortal, or like fucking uh, like early Bathory, I like in uh, Dark Throne, fucking super cool. Like I, I, that shit's cool, man. It's like super grim and like. See, I don't get too deep into it, so I mean, I'm probably missing some bands that probably are like NSBM. Hit up Kyle. Kyle will let me know. Oh, he's all in. Yeah. But, uh, dude, I just, I have a feeling there has to be some sketchiness with Mayhem. They have to have some sketchiness to them. There's something about those dudes. They're all dead except for fucking the drummer. All of them died? Mayhem's the band that killed the dude. Well, the in, one dude died. Well, no, the, the fucking one dude killed well, himself. The one dude got ki- oh, yeah, one dude killed himself, one dude got killed. Because he ate the brains of the dead guy, and then the last dude killed the other dude because... Varge he, did. Right? And he's in prison. Yeah, well, he's a douchebag, too. He's okay. a piece of shit. But the drummer is keeping the band going, and, like... Is not like Keeping that. Keeping the spirit alive. Yeah, he's like fucking. Dude, dude. I know shit. Like seriously, I know shit about black metal. So like, you could tell me that they founded Disneyland, and I'd be like, cool, that's cool, man. Euro Disney, they founded that. All right, I don't fucking know. <laughs> oh, dude, I mean, anyone that I know, like the the, the like the history that, that everybody else knows, like. Yeah. Homeboy killed himself. They used the picture for fucking the album cover. They ate some brains and fucking wore a piece of his skull around their neck. Yeah. Varge fucking killed the other dude for being like more more, more metal than he was, <laughs> and and then Varge is a piece of shit. Like that's I know that much, yeah. but that's to me is like base level knowledge of yeah. <laughs> what the fuck. I'm not I'm not a black metal extraordinaire. I'm just saying that that documentary was cool, dude. Like I'll check it out. I'll, I need to check it out. In all the memes that. that came from my man. Like, I'll 100% dude. check out... Dude, I'll 100% check out Slaves <laughs> of the Grind before I check out either of those two fucking black metal movies. But <laughs> Yeah, I only watched the one, but... Uh, me and you used to get fucking shithouse drunk and watch like the, the the compilations of worst black metal videos. Fuck yeah, we would. The wanted. troll running through the woods with like a ukulele and shit. The one dude like he crosses a highway. Oh yeah, he like runs, he like looks both ways and shit. <laughs> I forgot about that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's the, tr- <laughs> the troll with the ukulele around the fire. I'm like, what? The, the untuned f- guitar? Yeah, he's like. <laughs> <laughs> was it a ukulele? I always thought it was just a straight up, like, horribly tuned acoustic Like a guitar. warped acoustic. Like the night. <laughs> he just has a campfire, just fucking. <laughs> and he's wearing a troll mask and, like, a fucking cloak and shit. Like, and then they show the fire. <laughs> Remember that shit? They show, um. Fuck. They show three videos by... Immortal. Immortal. Like, three immortal videos. Oh, man. When they're like, okay, go. And then they all get into character <laughs> and shit. And I like Immortal, dude. I really I do, like too. Immortal. Yeah. But they, they're fucking videos. They need to calm it the fuck down. Oh, man. Yeah, those guys were fucking rough, dude. Like, the, the Raven Dark when he's on the cliff and he does, like, the fist pump when the drums come in. <laughs> he's throwing some hip into that. He scene, does. He's, he's like really throwing hip dude, into that. He's like doing the fucking Travolta staying alive, like on a cliff. He's doing the fucking like sax player from Lost Boys. Like, yeah, really throwing it in there, yeah, man. Yeah, those are serious gyrations of the hips, dude. Like Elvis, eat your heart out, dude. But like, yeah, the scene where you could tell it was 100. percent They had the camera on them, and they were just standing there, like. Okay, action, and they just go into like one black, dude's wearing a witch black hat. metal pose. <laughs> yeah, though, that's fun. Like though, he's right? wearing a witch hat, a cloak, yeah. and a bathory shirt. Yeah, like everything else is normal, but you have a cloak and a witch hat. Like just go some like 16th century, like fucking like warlock. Just commit to it the whole nine, oh, man. man. <laughs> you can't wear like jeans and a bathroom shirt and just throw on a cloak and a fucking witch hat. Oh, they did, they did, and they were fucking. It was it was a happening. Uh, it was a happening thing for that for that band. So, so that's that. Okay. <laughs> I would fucking highly recommend. It. I will. I will. Like, we'll exit that whole. We thing. go on tangents. That happens, man. <laughs> Definitely check out Slave to the Grind. <laughs> Did you listen to anything else? No, that's it. That's that's it for me, dude. All right, well, we're going to we're going to take a sharp left. <laughs> so, basically, I checked out I found this band called Charged SS. Okay. From Mexico. They're basically just a a just raw DB band. They're not reinventing the wheel. Okay. They put out like a four-track demo. Fucking reverb vocals, just raw DB. If you like Disclose, if you like anything like that, you'll cool. dig these guys. Definitely worth a check out. And I honestly don't think you you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You can just you can copy Disclose a hundred times over, and I'd probably like all those hundred bands. You can just, copy Discharge a hundred times over, and it's still gonna fucking rule. And pretty much for the most part, any DB band coming out is taking Discharge and Disclose, and Disclose was basically copying Discharge, just more noisy. And that's what they're doing because they're just noisy. There's a few that are doing straight. Discharge DB, and they're good, but almost everything now is just like raw, very reverbed out, noisy as fuck. DB, right on, hundred percent worth a check out. Fucking charged SS, check those fuckers out. And this release actually got released last year, but I saw a thing. Grindfather, they think they just got the tapes made. And Grindfather has tapes of it now. Girth, scream bloody girth. Oh, it's fucking killer. You've heard it. Yes. Cover art by um, Jack Mulkern, uh, dude from Chicago. He does a lot of comic stuff. He's done fucking flyers and a lot of covers for other grind bands, but he did the fucking cover for this, Kareem Bloody Girth. Looks just like the death cover. Scream Bloody, Bloody Gore. Gore. Looks just like it, except for it's Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force Sick. on the fucking throne. <laughs> oh, really? Dude. Yeah, you need to check it out. 
if I'm you, on it. You like grind, you like gore, you like girth, you you need to check this out. And hopefully you've heard it last year when it actually got released. But it's fucking killer. Yeah, I'm on that, dude. Always supporting the hometown boys. Oh, we just hung out with Kirby like a couple weeks ago, man. Like, I, I, I want to hear some new girth, dude. I fucking made that pretty clear. Like, fuck yeah. yeah. I can't wait oh, and there's like a couple, that couple skate girth uh, split is in the slave to the grind. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. They just pan to the. Is they that the it? colorful fucking. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Purple and blue and. Pretty sure I can't. Yeah, I know who did the cover. I can't think of the color scheme on what it actually. That did. was the two bands that the split was, though, right? It was Couple Skate and Couple Skate and Girth, Girth. Did split twelve. That's the one they show it. Yeah. So and a lot of unholy grave. I think it was like Gore Orphanage. Was that the cover? Was the name of the cover? It was like a kids and shit. Yeah, Gore Orphanage. Yep. Yeah, okay. that's okay. Nev did that cover. A lot of fucking uh, unholy grave in the. Oh hell yeah! Slave to the grind too. So, um, and what? And those are the two that you've been jamming. That's pretty much been the two I jammed. I want to say this: it's not really. I just jammed it once, but I just want to point out real quick that Thursday, I went to the beach. It was beach day for Steve. Okay, check this out. I set my alarm for eight o'clock in the morning to make sure I was up and packed and ready for the fucking beach. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Chris from Shit Life texted me at 8.02. And he says, wake up to this shit, dude. And he sends me a fucking link to a Brazilian thrash band called Death Razor. Never heard of them. They're Never heard of them. fucking guys. awesome, dude. It's like all your favorite thrash bands, like, like, Creator, fucking Dark Angel, Slayer, Sacrifice, like 80s thrash metal from Brazil, dude. Hell yeah. And at 8.02, he just randomly is like, wake up to this man. And I fucking like woke <laughs> up and started listening to Death Razor. This shit fucking rules, man. Like, definitely check them out. But it's R-A-I-S-E-R, not you know, Death, Death Razor, dude. They're fucking... Dude. And the artwork is done by the same dude oh, that shit. does uh, Municipal Waste and fucking a couple other bands, too. So Hell yeah. Yeah, so there's that, man. Um, Checking the last drive-in? Yeah, dude. Um, I That last, that Friday fucking last week's episode was, was awesome to me. It was one of my favorites, I think. Good episode. Shitty first movie. Oh, for sure. Uh, we've already... We don't need to... Go, my opinion, it. I don't like that fucking movie. No, movie. but I mean, we... I watched it. I sat I, through it. I get why people like it. I get why they showed it. I get... I mean, why people think, like, yeah, fucking that's a... I mean, because it is a total driving movie. Mm-hmm. But I just, dude... I mean, dial down the rockabilly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Dial down the fucking snaps and dances and shit, and I'd, oh. I'd be all about that movie, but yeah. I can't... I can't do... The Victor Crawley actually was my favorite. I think that's... the When they started that movie... Oh yeah, and they start and then, bringing all the guests, the, and like Felissa Rose and like Adam Green and dude from Practical. And Brian Quinn was there. Yeah, Practical it, Jokers, man. Like I know pe- people have mixed. I'm gonna. I'm guessing people have mixed views about that show. I love it, Practical Jokers, mm-hmm. and Brian Quinn. He's probably one of my favorite ones because, I mean, it probably is because I knew he, he has an interest in horror. Yeah, and it's. Yeah, it was fucking good. Kane Hodder hanging out. Oh yeah. Uh, other chick from Tromeo and Juliet. She's been in a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just really cool and just to, like listen to them bullshit and like 
good. It was so cool, dude. Like I, I, I watched it twice. I never do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, so it was really cool. I just wanted to bring that up because like anyone that is into horror should be on the last drive-in gig. You should know what that is and watch it because they're great. They're most of the time they're good, and most well, of the time like the a, movies are good. It's a weird mix. Um, if you weren't around. Or old enough to remember Monster Vision, you don't really know who Joe Bob is because that was his last thing mm-hmm. before. Because he did shit before that on like the movie channel and stuff. But the last thing he really did on cable, which was on TNT, was Monster Vision. I was like, was it Fridays or Saturdays? I can't remember what day it was. Yes. But if you don't know who he is, or you got there's like this group of people who like horror, but they were too young for Monster Vision, so they don't know who the fuck Joe Bob is. Right. So they don't have that same feeling where. It's nostalgic. I used to watch fucking so did I. Monster Vision, and it was fucking awesome, just his segments in between the movies. Absolutely. So when this shit came back, when they got him back, when Darcy basically got him to agree to it and got fucking Shudder to pick it up, I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. That's fucking great. Yeah. And people didn't understand the whole concept of stopping a movie in between to do these fucking segments because they didn't fucking, they weren't there for that, so they don't have that nostalgia for it. Right. And to me, like, yeah, dude, fucking interrupt a movie to have fucking little tidbits and fucking knowledge and fucking just bullshitting a little bit and just go back into it. And this is even better because there's no commercials. Yeah. They just show the movie and then cut at a certain point and he fucking starts talking. Monster Vision was he did that and the movie and then you had regular commercials yeah. for Folgers Coffee and fucking Burger King. And shit was cut up. And it was yeah, edited for TV and, like, like gore Shutter, was cut out. People can bitch that Shudder can't get rights to certain things. That's not Shudder's fucking fault. Right. But you're still getting a movie uncut. Yeah. Which is fucking awesome. So, 100%. and, uh, yeah, so I really enjoyed that. Super cool. Um, and I wanted to bring this up because I it's eluded me the last, since we started doing this again, the fucking cursed films. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If anyone knows what this is... I hope you've watched all five. Shutter show called Curse Films. Each episode covers a different movie. Yeah. Uh, some of them I feel they're stretching a little bit. Yeah. Maybe hyped them up a little bit. Yeah, I think well, maybe like the, the Exorcist and the Omen one, where it's like, oh, fucking demons and everything was stuck. Like, nah, it really wasn't. But the shit can happen. You can, I mean, I get having the thing saying, oh, it's. The movie was cursed. The filming was cursed because all this fucked up shit happened. Yeah. But just by saying, like, yeah, just this fucked up shit happened. I feel some of them stretch it. Yeah. I mean, but there's always, like, the you got to think when those movies were made, it was the 70s. and I mean, overall, I liked, like, I've watched, I watched the whole thing, and I liked them all. Oh, yeah, me too. I just, I never knew about the Twilight Zone incident. Oh, you didn't know about that? I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. And I'm telling you, when I started watching it, I'm like, what? I've seen that Twilight Zone movie a hundred times. I love it. And I've never heard or read anything about that happening. Mm -hmm. And when I'm watching the episode, I didn't even pick up my phone to cheat and figure out what was going to eventually happen. In that episode, they literally build up without saying what the incident was. And show you the actual footage. And then show you what really happened with real stock footage. And it, when that happened, I fucking, my heart dropped. I said, no way, dude. I'm still amazed that Landis didn't get fucked somehow. Like something, ah, something. Like- I know. I don't know how Jesus he got away with it. Christ, that was fucking terrible, dude. That might have been the worst of all of them, I think. 
Yeah, that was a bad one. That's because it was just terrible. Dude. It was it was judgment calls by him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some people are gonna say like also the pyrotechnics, but I think that was calls from him. Like he made the call to get kids who weren't actually part of um, like SAG. Yeah. So they could film these shots late at night. And he made the call, if I remember correctly, to add additional explosives to certain scenes, to that scene. Yeah, to give it more of an intense, like... And because they those really, two combinations man. fucked. So these parents watched their kids get just sliced by a fucking helicopter. helicopter like, thinking that, like, oh, he want, they want it for this movie, it's a fucking big budget... Fucking studio film. Oh, yeah. Everything's safe. Everything's gonna be good. Yeah, that's um... <laughs> like I don't. It's, I'm still even from after watching that and hearing the explanation, explanation of shit. I'm like, how did he dodge any type of repercussion? Yeah, it's pretty much a a miracle that nothing actually became of that because that's. A fucking real life nightmare for all parties involved. Yeah. And to keep the whole scene and story with that actor in it and release it in theaters after that happened can be said, it can go both ways. Was it wrong to do that or was it right to do that he felt that he that was his last work before he's passing and that he should be immortalized for being in the film the dude that played that part didn't want to play that part but he was kind of struggling to find actor work and just said you know what screw it yeah I'll do it and it's just that whole thing so I fuck that's so fucking bad and then the poltergeist ones got pretty bad too See, that's the one where it's like they were trying to overhype. We were haunted. Yeah. It was a haunted. They used real skeletons and and shit. uh, Fucking Marianne died. Like, no, she actually had a health issue. And then the other chick who died. Like, no, she got fucking killed. Yeah, murdered by by her boyfriend. Her boyfriend who was a fucking nutbag. Yeah. These aren't cursed films. Like, so they kind of were were stretching. But I get the title, but at the same time, like, if it's weird happenings around. Yeah, like, if it really wasn't like, oh, like, Shit happening on set while the things are being filmed, cool. You can say that's cursed films all day, but shit that happened outside of that, dude, come on, dude. It's well, not one a dude kind of said that. Yeah, he was like, "Dude, how are you gonna fucking blame a movie for a guy, a, a jealous nutbag boyfriend killing his girlfriend yeah. who happened to be in a movie, and then a girl who had a health issue that just happens naturally and passed away from it? Like, why does this have to do with anything in the movie? Like, yeah. yeah, 11, 12-year-old girl who had a misdiagnosed health issue? Yeah. Like. But in the end of the day, the, uh, all five entries of this docuseries are great. Yeah, it's, yeah, you'll, yeah, for sure. If you got, like, an afternoon to kill, they're, like, half hour each one. Yeah. Shit. Dude, they're cool. They're good. I liked them. I watched them all in one sitting, I think. I did, too. Well, no, uh, they didn't add the last. I think I watched them when they only had the four, and then the fifth one was going to be added the following week. So I was like waiting for the new one to. Yeah, you're right, actually, because when I watched it, they didn't have all of them. And you were the one that told me they added the last one. Yeah. I was like, dude, this fucking fifth entry of uh, Cursed Films is going to be this Sunday. And fucking, I was like excited for it. So 
But yeah, th- that's all I have here. I just the curse films I wanted to bring up because I wanted to bring it up last time and I forgot the the last drive-in episode from last Friday was great. Yeah, fucking kill. I liked it. You know, I never really gave the Hatchet movies a big nod. The first one was great, but I never seen any of the sequels, and this is like the fourth one, and I didn't mind it. I thought it was pretty cool for what you know. Yeah, movie made in secret. Yeah. And all the shit Adam Green had to go through to fucking get this thing, like, where it needs to be and released and all the grief he got. Dude, shit you don't think about. Like, you think about just making a movie and you get fucking movie released if it's backed by a studio. It's like, that's 100% not the fucking case, It's just man. hard to believe that you still run into those obstacles in this day and age. Yeah, like, it blows my fucking How mind. many times do we got to get on that merry-go-round of censorship and what's acceptable? Just, it's a fucking movie fucking release it and let people know what's in it like without you're, spoiling it. You're so going to make me censor my movie before I release it, but kids can go online and go to truegore.com or fucking like any of the other any of real the other life fucking, deaths. Yeah, any of the other fucking video link sites that show fucking like actual deaths. Do some of the or video. go to any porn site. Well, the, but you're going to make me fucking edit out like fake gore for yeah. like go fuck yourself dude. I know it's fucking it, dumb man yeah it, I felt so bad for him when he was explaining it and he's such a humble guy if I was him my fucking head would have exploded like I would have turned red smoke would have been coming like really dude why are you fucking with me man <laughs> why is this a thing just fucking let me put the movie out and all of the kills in this movie are so over the top that they're not even sensible. Like, this can't happen in real life. This is basically a real-life cartoon with a dark sense of humor, and you're fucking with me, and you're just stalling me putting my movie out. This is my art. This is what I do. Fuck you. And most of those people don't know their fucking heads from their asshole anyway when it comes to anything other than big box office fucking, you know, big production. Like, dude, just leave these dudes alone leave these people let them put the fucking movie out man that's what sucks like if if they were just releasing it on like DVD Blu-ray whatever it wouldn't be an issue because they could just like well fucking I'll just sell them for myself right but you're wanting to make a movie and you're in a spot where you're not just a fucking really low and nobody making a fucking indie movie that's gonna just have no chance of being in theaters no you have to a degree, fucking studio backing where you can get this put into theaters. Yeah, I mean... Or put on the streaming services and you're having to fucking basically play ball with them and make all these fucking stupid fucking cuts that don't need to be fucking made. It's so fucking shitty, man. I mean, I'll wrap it up with this, man. I'll wrap I'll wrap up this... Well, I still got a bunch of shit. Okay, I'll, I just want to wrap it like... Fuck. Kane Hodder went through the same thing with fucking John Beekler in uh, A New Blood. Uh, you know what I mean? Where they just fucking just stripped his movie of any relevance with gore or anything that would have been cutting edge at the time. And it turned out to be a mediocre Friday the 13th movie, which was supposed to be like the end-all be-all in gore sequences and kills that were over the top and killer makeup effects for Kane. And like. And what sucks about that is it was before director's cuts and unrated cuts where all, things, that, shit so was, all that extra shit that they cut got burned. Yeah. And there's it doesn't exist except for there's like a few like raw snippets on like YouTube. Yeah. And there's not there's not enough around to really make a release with that. It's just they could maybe release that as an extra like this got cut. 
Here's yeah. a, here, here's a sample. Here's scene, a yeah. sample of how this could have looked. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, and the best example of that is fucking. I never realized how much I like my bloody Valentine oh, yeah. until I seen the fucking the spliced in footage. Honestly, it's to me, it's not worth watching if you're not seeing it with all that burning. Same way, if you cut the raft scene down any at all, it's it takes away from the whole movie, dude. Yeah, <laughs> and it just sucks that in twenty whatever Hatchet movie came out, 2017, 2018 or something, he's still dealing with this shit. Like, first, have, yeah, I can't really, remember. The first Hatchet came out years ago. Well, no, this one, this oh, the four, the fourth four, one four, came yeah, out was, like. Yeah, three years ago, two years ago, and he's still shouldn't even be a thing anymore. Has to sit in a room with a bunch of people that are totally out of touch with his product and try to sell that to him, like old fucking an old dude, as he said, was just like not even looking at the screen, <laughs> walking with a fucking walker, looking at walls. Eighty-seven years old, and you don't even know where the fucking screen's at, and like he's like, he's supposed to be like, and it's supposed in to be the know. It's supposed to be like a jury of his peers, like people who were like make up the movie viewing community. Oh yeah, he's an expert on film. Yeah, like yeah, dude, I, I've watched a document. I told you I watched a documentary like MPAA. Oh, man. And, like, it's 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 a fucking racket, man. Good Lord. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. And it sucks because you, unless you want to do everything by yourself and just distribute by yourself but really not have a chance to get it in theaters, Yeah, you have to play ball with the fucking MPAA. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking stupid. Unless you go the, which I don't even know if you'd be able to do this anymore, go the fucking uh, last house on the left route and get a snippet. From another film that was already approved, and just tack it onto the front of your film. That's amazing. You, you, have you heard about that? I did not. Last House on the Left, um, they actually did not get approved by MPAA. They had all these cuts they had were supposed to make, but uh, Craven had a friend who had an approval, so he got—I don't know how exactly how it works—but he basically got something that tacks onto the front. And when you give it to theaters, it basically shows like it had it basically it was like the the bit that was the R rating. Ah. And he just never made a cut to the last house on the left and just tacked that to the front and sent it to theaters. <laughs> that's a doozy to sit through thinking you're watching an R rated movie. That's a fuck that's how you that, that's amazing. I yeah. like, I don't know if you can still pull that off. If oh, people can do pull, if, you, if people can still pull that off, fucking pull that off. Absolutely. Like, figure out a way to do that because Fuck cutting your movie. Do not like. I'm so against having to make cuts to get your movie in theaters. No, yeah. man. Like, I, I don't care what your movie is. I don't even care if it's something I fully agree with. You shouldn't have to cut it. No, because I have the choice not to watch it if I don't like what's in it. What do you got, man? What do Dude, you got? What do you, I don't know. If you, what have you been watching? Uh, Anything? That, no, just, no. Uh, just those docs? No, I mean I watched like Chopping Mall today and. Uh, just before dawn. Okay, I will say this. Shutter on Instagram the other day posted a picture of the burning, like the poster, and mm-hmm. said, "What's your favorite summertime horror movie?" Okay, there's fucking thousands of people commented on it, obviously. And I, that, I've never been stumped with that before. I've never been asked that in a light to where I'm like put on the spot. So I'm thinking to myself, like, what is my favorite summer fucking movie? I'd have to say it's just bef- like summer slasher, summer fucking. It's just before dawn gives me that fulfilling feeling of being summertime camping backwoods. Yeah, it's really close with the first sleepaway camp. I mean, real fucking close. But like just before dawn nails it for me, just because of most of it's all summertime outside in the lake and the 
I don't know, man. Maybe it's just I don't know. Burning's up there. Burning. I mean, they're yeah, they're all good, but I, I I'm going with Just Before Dawn. I don't know what I would list as my summertime. Fucking uh, was it slasher or just horror? I think they said horror, but because the poster was the burning, the picture was <laughs> the burning, they just associated it. So everyone was putting slashers. A lot of Friday the 13th, a lot of Sleepaway Camp, which is on Shudder right now, all the Sleepaway Camps yeah. and shit. So, and the burning is too. And a lot of people just agreed, well, you, well, it's the burning. Well, it's Sleepaway Camp. And I'm like, well, dude, you know, just before dawn kind of hits that nerve for me. But someone did say, and I agree with them 100%, Rituals. 1977. I've been raving about that movie for years. Or The Creeper. It's his alternate title. Yeah. This is a Canadian Canucksploitation film. I love that word. Uh, Hal Holbrook and a bunch of dudes go out in the woods for a camping trip. Weird shit starts happening. They're being stalked by a faceless fucking killer. Picked off one by one. Awesome movie. But yeah, so there's that. But I haven't really been watching anything besides that. Yeah, see what I've uh, what do I got? I got um rewatched Satan's Little Helper again. Seen that once. Actually it's funny you With say you. fucking uh just before dawn because it's directed by the same guy. Is it? Yep. No shit. Yeah. Hmm. Directed by the same dude. VHS of this movie just sold for over a hundo. That's craziness. I don't know the VHS. I got a DVD of it. DVD's probably not worth shit because it seems like it's the Blu-rays and the VHSs hardly any DVDs worth fucking anything. Yeah, I got a DVD of it. It's it's that had to be at the last run of VHS that were made. Yeah, it was like early two. Oh, fuck, fuck, like 06 was, was when VHS died. It was early two thousands. Yeah, it was early two thousands. This movie, uh, I can't remember exactly the year, but yeah, there was a VHS run of this movie. Yeah. I, dude, I still like this movie. I fucking I watched it again for the first time in years, and there's a few characters I can't fucking stand, namely the little kid who's one of the main characters, and the mom, who is also the fucking she's in Pulp Fiction, the two that are robbing the diner. Oh yeah, yeah. She's the fucking chick. Gotcha. That's the chick. She's a great actress in that movie. Yeah. I don't know. It, it it must be the fucking script and maybe how she was directed, but she fucking sucks in this movie. <laughs> and the the kid, yeah. the kid, I think I'm like, dude, there, there has to be something wrong with you. There, there has to fucking be something wrong with this kid. Just watching the movie, like the shit he believes, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah. But I still, I, I still really fucking like this movie. It's just such a low budget, like Halloween movie, basically. Yeah, I watched it with you, and I, I didn't mind it. It was okay. I dig it. And then, um. Another one that slipped under my fucking radar forever because I didn't. I'm one of those people where if I don't like the cover or the name of the movie, I put it on the list somewhere and I'll check it out eventually. Yeah. Fucking Evil Ed. Yeah, I need to check that out, dude. Swedish movie, like 95, I think it came out. And it's kind of like a gory splatter horror comedy type. Kind of like a Dead Alive or. Somewhat, yeah, actually. It's fucking amazing. I love it. I mean, if like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna watch it because the way you sold it to me, it's like I know I'll like it. I think you will. Fucking dudes, dudes like a film editor who does these like boring artsy black and white type, you know, whatever films, edits them up, and he gets pulled up to uh, transfer to the gore and splatter department <laughs> because uh, they just got. Uh, 
Oh, is it the fucking Loose Limbs series? Is this about he's going to get like picked up and released in Europe and he's got to edit out all the gore? Like it goes all the way up to like Loose Limbs like 7 or 8 or some shit like that. And like in between these you're seeing like the movie Loose Limbs. So you see all this like crazy fucking gore shit. That he's watching over and yeah. over and over. And it's a dude who doesn't like horror and gore so he's like freaking out about it so it starts making him go fucking crazy and it kind of goes off from there That's but there's like good gore and it, this movie was fucking made as like a response to in like the mid 90s um Sweden had a thing where like movies were basically sex and gore like nudity and gore were basically cut out of it which honestly um Black Uniforms had a song that was kind of about that about like horror movies being cut up really having like yeah uh, what the fuck's the name of it? Fuck. I can't remember the actual name. But it's basically about, like... Fucking censorship. Yeah. Like... I just want to see some tits on my own TV. I think is the, like, one of the lines from the song. Right on. But it's basically a song about how, like, their gore, their horror movies are all fucking cut up and they just want to get, like, un- uncut. Oh, God damn. And shit. Awesome movie. And then, um, vaguely, like, it was kind of half in and half out on this one. Um... Flesh Eating Mothers. Yeah, I think I started watching that. Came out in like '88. Yeah, think. something like that. Yeah, I, I, it was on Tubi, and I started watching it, and I think I fell asleep. It's not bad. Like from what I saw, it wasn't bad. I didn't finish the movie though. I'll check it out. Flesh Eating Mothers. Yeah, it was like late '80s, kind of a over-the-top fucking comedy. Thing kind of deal, yeah, like kind of like that fucking like weird humor, low budget, like mm-hmm. somewhat humor to it with a bunch of gore to it. And yeah, definitely, if, if 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 anyone likes that movie or anything like that, check out Dead Dudes in the House. Dude, you've been trying to sell me on that movie for years. It's and on I've never YouTube. Checked it out. It's fucking phenomenal, dude. Dead Dudes in the House. It's. I mean, seen the movie when I was thirteen. Did Trauma release that? Ah, uh, maybe it would be definitely be a trauma film. Cause it's right, it's right there, dude. Like, but it's not shitty. Like, it's not like it's it's fucking hilarious and it's cool and it's got that super fucking like over the top kind of uh, Ash, Evil Dead splatter blood everywhere, jokes every fucking laugh a minute thing going on. <laughs> so cool, man. I haven't. It's been a while, but it's on YouTube though. You can watch it on YouTube. Oh yeah. I mean, I actually should check it out for as many years as you've been telling me to check oh, it out. Man. Like Mike from Acid Witch used to say they were power, power time movies that you yeah. usually put on when you're under the influence of something or several things. That would be one of those movies, man, for sure. Dead Dudes in the House. I guess I would peg that right up there with, like, Dead Alive, uh, Flesh Eating Mothers, all that shit. So. I think you've been trying to get me to watch that as long as I've been trying to get you to watch Above the Law or Beyond, Beyond the Law. The Law. And uh, you still haven't. I still haven't, but I don't really have a DVD player. The Xbox fucking eye burned out for the DVD player, Blu-ray player. Oh, that sucks. So I got to pull out a whole separate <laughs> fucking uh, DVD player that doesn't have a remote. And if there's multiple movies on it or widescreen, full screen option, I can't. I'm very limited right now, so. <laughs> I'm waiting for this new Xbox to come out so I can just like have a Blu-ray player again and a DVD player along with my gaming console and you know like fuck. So, so um, while I'm working, I just started going through Shutter and shit, and I found um, Elijah Wood 
and the fuck Daniel Noah. They have a company. I can't remember what it's called. Spectrovision, I believe. Okay. And I think they did like Mandy. They have a podcast called. And what the fuck? It almost sounds like a goddamn like alien inter- intervention. I think it's called intervention. Okay. Something like that. I can't think of the name. But anyway, so digging through, like, I listened to, like, them all, except for the last two. last two were, like, on uh, Del Toro. They, like, interviewed him for, like, two episodes. But yeah. the last one before that was Panos Cosmatos. I think I pronounced his name right. He's the dude who did Mandy, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Okay. And I don't know how I never realized this. You know who his fucking dad was? No. His dad was George Cosmatos, who directed Cobra, First Blood Part 2, Tombstone, and Of Unknown Origin. Really? I don't know how the fuck I'd never realized that. Those are some pretty stout fucking movies, man. Yeah. Especially Cobra and... What was the second one? It's fucking uh, First Blood Part 2. Oh, First Blood Part 2. I mean, I Tombstone mean. was a goddamn blockbuster. Oh, and Origin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Unknown Origin's a fucking, Tombstone. like, sleeper of a horror movie. Yeah. Fucking, oh, no shit. That episode was fucking, like, I, like, really paid attention to it because I like Mandy. So I'm like, okay, I kind of want to hear what this dude says. And he started going into that. I'm like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> and I started, like, really looking him up. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Fun tidbit, he said, which I thought was kind of fun. So in... Cobra, the scene where um, uh, what's her name's in the hospital and she's up against the door and dude fucking like stabs knifes, the knife, knife yeah. through the door. They set up a hydraulic system that put the knife through the door. So that way, all they had to do was change out the door, and they'd be able to do that scene over and over again, and have the knife hit the same exact spot every time. Really? Yeah. So they wouldn't have to, like, worry about, we need to do that scene again. And then the knife would go in a different spot, and they would look weird when they cut it together. Hmm. He said he, he vividly remembers them building this weird fucking, hyd- like, this hydraulic thing that had the fucking knife connected to the end that would just put the knife through the door. And they'd film the scene. If they needed to refilm it for whatever reason, they could just put in a new door, and they knew exactly where the knife was going to go through. Oh, no shit. So that way if they, they could do it fucking eight times and splice all eight together and the knife would always be in the same fucking spot. That's fucking kind of cool. Yeah. I'm like, that's fucking, like, I'm like, shit, the shit they do when you have, like, a decent budget oh, for yeah. a movie. <laughs> yeah. What was, uh, what was Cobra? That was well, Canon, wasn't it? Or Golan Globus. Golan Globus. Yeah. And then, uh, First Blood was Thorny M.I. HBO, whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, depending on the year. Yeah. But what I also thought was interesting was he didn't make... So Panos didn't make um, Beyond the Black Rainbow until he was, like, mid-30s at least. He was, like, 36, maybe. And he said he had this, like, panic attack where the thought of not making a movie... The thought of him turning 40 and not making a movie. Mm. He had zero schooling in it. But, I mean, you have a dad as a director. Oh, for sure. But zero schooling for it. But he's, like, had a panic attack. Like, mm-hmm. he's thought of me being kind of a failure at 40 where I didn't make a movie, where I just need to make a movie. If I made a movie before I was 40, I'm fine. Yeah. And he made Beyond Black Rainbow, which was a fucking hit. 
Yeah. And then fucking was able to make Mandy. <clears throat> That's, Mandy, yeah. Mandy, I think, obviously Mandy got bigger. But fuck, like, it's just fucking nuts to me. Yeah. For sure. Um, I don't know. You have anything? I know. That's, I'm... Now I have one last thing. Okay. Which this might go a little bit. Maybe. What do you got? So you know me. I watch shit. I fucking get bored. Start looking shit up online. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Smith got approached. This was like uh, mid nineties, early two thousands. I want to say early two thousands. Because it was after he was already obviously known, and Jane Town Bob were obviously known. Yep. He got approached by a studio to do a Jay and Silent Bob slash Hellraiser crossover movie. That's kind of in the vein of um, what's their name? Bill and Ted? No. Um, God, I just had it in my head and I blanked on it. Um, blank and blank meet Wolfman. Abbott and Costello? Abbott and Costello meet Wolfman. They said Are it was kind of supposed to be in the vein, vein of that. Like Jane Silent Bob and they kind of like Running Somehow run in the Hellraiser and like open the puzzle box or something. Dude, stop it, man. Are you kidding Kevin me? Kevin Smith turned it down. Oh, I good, but with it good had, reason. Dude, yeah, no good reason. It had me thinking, though. I'm like, dude, glad he did it because I think he did it because he knew it was too much. It. Like, you could either fuck up one or the other. Oh, so many things could go wrong. But if it would have nailed perfectly, like on that fucking razor's edge of being just perfect. Could you imagine Jay and Silent Bob in the Hellraiser world, but Pinhead and the Cenobites being 100% serious, like not getting comical, but it's just like they're 100% serious, as you would expect from a Hellraiser movie. But Jay and Silent Bob were just like, can you fucking believe this fucking guy? Dude. <laughs> you ever had your asshole licked by an overweight man in a fucking trench coat? <laughs> Hey, man, before you jump, man, let me take a shot at it. Let me find out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dude, I mean, whoever thought of that was, like, kind of on to something. But I don't think as extreme as Jay is. I get what that person who brought it up was It would have to be like a Freddy Krueger where there's a humor there. And you don't have that. And a humor there. To do it. Oh, man. There would be almost no way. There would be too many hands in the fucking stew to make it where, like, they're still comedical and they have the Jane Silent Bob aspect to them, but Pinhead and the Cenobites and that universe is still serious horror. You would tarnish one or the other. And I guarantee if Kevin Smith was making it, it wouldn't end up tarnishing Hellraiser canon and Hellraiser characters more than his. And... I'm, my assumption is he turned it down because he knew there was just way too much that could get fucked up. Yeah, that's uh, you're walking a you're towing a fine line, dude. <laughs> but at the same time, I almost really just I want to see it made. <laughs> that's fucking terrible. How dude. the fuck would they do that? I don't know, man. I think maybe he sat down for an hour, like you know what, this is just not possible. I'm gonna say no. Like he probably thought about well, maybe, well, maybe not. Well, no, this could. Well, we could. Nah, man, I'm good. We're not gonna do it. Like we're gonna piss off Hellraiser fans. Oh man, it's gonna be bad news. So thank God that didn't happen. People are gonna riot. 
What could have been <laughs> Jason Mewes and fucking Doug Bradley? <laughs> what a mess, dude. So it would almost have to be like an in passing. Yeah. Like they happen to like stumble into like the puzzle box is already open and they're fucking end up stumbling into the house. Jesus. Yeah, I don't uh, yeah. <laughs> and then just stumble through. That's a weird parallel universe that just I don't think is possible, man. I don't think like those like Abbott and Costello meets Wolfman type shit can pass anymore. No. I don't think there's a way to do it. Like there's too much there's too much at stake for the horror aspect of its fans. Yeah. Like, the studio will not let them diminish that. The same reason why there was no clear, quote-unquote, clear winner with Freddy vs. Jason. You, yeah. You're not, you're, you're not going to allow your the, the person you own the rights to to lose. Yeah. Just wait. You're not going to allow the person you own the rights to to be, like, mocked and ostracized and become a character. That's your... Um Money maker. That's your bread. You're not going to let your fucking star pitcher stay out there for oh, 12 innings and rack up to a 213 pitch count. You cut him after 90 and save him for the next start, dude. You blow his arm out. That's like $160 <laughs> million sitting on the bench spitting seeds everywhere. You kind of want him on the mound throwing fucking heat. Healthy. Yeah, there's <laughs> it's still, your money maker, dude. There is still a part of me that wants to see this movie, though. <laughs> well, I think we all will, but <laughs> like, I don't want it. I don't want it to exist, but I want it to exist for like the block of the length of the movie, just so I could see it and be like, no, dude, what maybe the like fuck? a short film, maybe like a short, maybe yeah, like yeah. a fifteen-minute fucking oh, Jay and Silent Bob stumble, and then it just cuts off before shit gets, and then. It, just, just the for the shit, sake, before just, shit gets to the point where you're like mocking Hellraiser. And yeah, where they cut it, they cut it where they need to, and it's just a short film, and it ends up on IFC at like two seventeen a.m. Start it's like that time. fucking movie that I'm trying to track down from PBS at like two in the morning that I watched when I was like sixteen that I still can't find out. Again with the lizards. Just fucking, they show it once and it's gone forever. Like just people, thirty years later, people are like I'm trying to find this. I know I saw it. Craziness, man. It happens like that. It'd be like that sometimes. It does. I think that's about it, though, man. Yeah, I feel it. we found that if we talk about the movie first, we go on forever afterwards. <laughs> we do. A little bit of a different format, but I'm stoked that we did it. And check out Savage Weekend and all the shit we mentioned. Absolutely. All guys. this episode, man. Check out everything ever. Just check out everything in the world. Of all time. Google everything and check out every link <laughs> you come across. Every, yeah, Google everything. Just start with A and then check out everything in the A's. And then add a letter to A and check out all those links. Yeah, and check all in the way to those. Z. Like, there's like billions. Just check everything. Yeah, and fix her. It didn't happen. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll see you guys. All right, see you guys.